0: Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get
1: away from the keyboard.
0: Welcome to Away From Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are we doing today, Cecil? It's
1: going pretty good, man. How you been?
0: For the last... 35, 30 years of my life, I've been trying to figure out this one puzzle. What's that? The Rubik's Cube. 30 years, really? Yeah, I remember as as a kid when the whole big thing happened in the early 80s, my parents bought me one. But, you know, the original Rubik's Cube had stickers on it, but my parents didn't want me to cheat, so they bought one that was molded plastic. And I couldn't take the stickers off and reposition it, so I couldn't resolve it. Well... A few years back, I had bought a what they call a speed cube, which is a better version of Rubik's cube. Mm-hmm. But I bought a two by two, and at the same time, I bought a, a the regular one, the three by three. And I could do the two by two, no problem, but I could never do the three by three. So over the last month or so, I've been memorizing the algorithms for the three by three, and now I can do the three by three Rubik's cube. Dude,
1: I don't think um, I don't think I've picked up a Rubik's cube and. Maybe about two, two, three years, man. It's been a little bit. Yeah, I get I get bored hands, right? And so when I am
0: uploading something into the cloud or I am doing a compile or whatever, I am like my hands need to be doing something because they can't like type on the keys. So um, I usually have been picking up either a stress ball or a or Rube's cube cube, whatever. Um, so that's what I've been doing while my while <laughs> my code's uploading to the cloud. <laughs>
1: nice. nice. So that's
2: what's
1: pretty- new with you? So I've been, um, I've been traveling a lot lately, to be honest with you. The past two weeks, I feel like I've just been in and out of airports. And to be honest with you, I'm just glad to be home, glad to not have to do any flying for a little bit, you know? So I was in Pennsylvania last week, went up to go see my sister. She graduated or she, I guess you could call it a graduation. She graduated from her residency program in uh, family cool. health. So congratulations to her. And then um the week before that i was in um redmond for a couple of days for some meeting so again i've just kind of been you know all over the united states for for a little bit and i know i'm going to be traveling again soon but i'm honestly just glad to be you know be at home
0: (laughs) so what you're saying is that you've been traveling and boy your arms are tired
1: yeah (laughs) my arms are tired because you know what because i've been sitting in the most uncomfortable seats in the world so oh so gosh.
0: wait wait wait. So was I right about the upgrade on United to Economy Plus? Was I wrong so, about that?
1: So you were right about the upgrade. So here's the thing with that. I, there's more leg space, but yes. there's not more elbow room. Correct. I wish there was a little bit more elbow room in those yeah, seats. For that th- would have been For that perfect. you
0: got to pay the big bucks and go to first. But Yeah. Yeah. The way they pack you in in, in United for re- economy is ridiculous and You know, if I'm ever forced, I I usually fly American, but if I'm ever forced to fly United, it's like, um, Economy Plus, please. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yes, because I don't like my knees to my eyes. It just, it's very uncomfortable for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I usually fly JetBlue, to be honest with you. I I have a great time when I fly JetBlue. Just so happens that, you know, where I was going, or at least the times that I wanted to travel, they weren't available. (sighs) Oh, Oh, well. Yeah. So who we talk to today? So today we're talking to Mr. Bradley Ball. So Bradley is a former Microsoft SQL Server and Data Platform MVP with over 15 years of IT experience. He spent eight years working as a defense contractor for clients such as the U.S. Army and the Executive Office of the President of the United States. I was going to make a bad joke, but let me leave that alone. <clears coughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> <It's>, <clears <clears <throat> leave that <throat> one alone. him. <throat> <clears throat> He works for Microsoft on the Premier Services developer team as a senior consultant. He is presented at SQL Saturday, Dev Connections, SQL Bits, and Pass Summit. He can be found blogging on www.sqlballs.com, about SQL Server, or anything else that interests him. This episode was
0: recorded on April 6th, 2017, and now our conversation with Bradley Ball. And now, away from the keyboards feature conversation.
1: So, Brad, obviously, you've been on the show before, and, and actually, I was just looking at your episode, and your episode came out on April 11th, so it's almost exactly a year now since we last spoke to you. Yeah. You know, I remember we were talking about Superman, now Superman's your favorite character, and some of the reasons and the ideologies behind that uh, Marvel And DC. how dumb of an idea that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richie's, Richie's dislike for Superman, and, you know. So, it's been a whole year, and a lot of stuff has happened, right? Yeah. Like. Batman versus Superman has come out and this Justice League movie is coming out and you know, we're seeing Spider Man is going into the, you know, Marvel cinematic universe and it kinda of oh, sounds like he's I gonna be kicked so out much. in a second. Like just so much stuff happening. So I, I really wanted to catch up with you and kinda of see what your thoughts are on, on some of these things. Like well, like what's the what's what's that really exciting you right now in terms of comic books and movies today?
2: Oh man, I that, that's it is so much fun <laughs> to be a comic guy right now. I, I love it. My right. My oldest son, Zachary, he's a chip off the old block, and and he loves a lot of the different comic shows. He's kind of my barometer, though, of what crap is, because I like so much comic book stuff. There are things that I like that I look back at later, I'm like, God, that was awful. Why did I watch that whole series? I, I watched Smallville from start to finish, all of it, all ten seasons. And I look back at that sometimes, and I go, you know, you could have stopped at three or four. That that would have been good, and you.
1: I think I, that's what I did. I stopped after season three.
2: There there was a point of sh- on in time on that show where I remember a, a whole set of years where I continued to watch it, but I was deep sa- down inside Mystery Science Theater three thousanding it. And one one of the things I don't know if you remember, there's this bit on Friends where uh, Joey talks about smell the fart acting. Uh, Which is whenever you need to look (laughs) really serious and really tense in a scene, you furrow your eyebrows. You'll kind of look up and you'll, you'll, you know, kind of, it looks like you're smelling. And if you look at it, it looks like you're smelling a fart and then you realize it's your own fart and then you smile. And what I realized was every single scene in Smallville, there was a point in time around season three or four where every single scene was smell the fart acting. And I'd, I'd literally wait for, I'd be like, wait a second, okay. Yep, tinson of the forehead. lift in the air. He smells it. He smells it. Smile. There we go. There it was quite I was like and and there would be times I would literally just imagine the robots watching this going, Really, the scrap fest again? We uh we couldn't get Michael Rosenbaum back, so we just put a guy in a trailer with a whole bunch of prosthetics and some green kryptonite behind him. Yeah, kids, uh, be happy with that. I get having rules for the beginning of a series. But that whole no flights, no tights thing. There's just a point in time where that's stupid. I I like Gotham. I have enjoyed Gotham. But the biggest problem I have with Gotham is it has made Jim Gordon so interesting. And I keep watching this kid Bruce Wayne going, hey, so uh, you know, kind of looking at my watch, tapping it, tapping it on the face, going, you should be uh, over in China right now, training. And uh, there's some point in time tapping to the to watch again. you you need to be part of a circus. You need to learn from a master magician and an escape artist. We, we all we all know the story. Come on, kid, what are you doing still in Gotham it, with the l- same lame haircut? Can't even throw a punch, really? really? this is this is gonna be Batman. Wait Wait a humanized Batman to the point that I go, yeah, nobody should be scared of this guy.
0: Now, I haven't seen Gotham, but I will say this. I think the Smallville writing team, has gone over to Legends of Tomorrow.
2: Yes. That show had so much promise. The idea yeah. and the initial No it cards, didn't. It Yes no, it did. Yes, it no, did. it didn't. Yes, From it the did. first
1: trailer I was like this is going to be bad. No. And it was no. bad. <laughs> no. You had
0: yeah, yeah, you had the two guys on prison break. I mean it it you know, you had the you had the, the super good, you had the kind of the the, the the neutral neutral guys you had the chaotic you had the chaotic good side you had the chaotic neutral and you know there was so many interesting dynamics that could be playing with interplay within the team I don't know what happened I don't know
1: one thing you should realize for, for live action movies and series and whatever if you stuff too many characters in one show it does not work very seldomly does it work
2: so I I feel like it can. I feel like what we get is a lot of lazy writing. And I'll, I'll give you a, a good example. I don't know if you guys are watching this show. I have stuff on my DVR. I always know when a show is good when it's on my DVR because I will watch it live, and that is rare. But if I know what's coming on, um, I, I will suffer through commercials because the show is so good. Uh, the Magicians on Sci-Fi. Are, are I heard you...
1: about that show. I haven't seen it yet, though.
2: The Magicians is, is one of those shows that they come out with these storylines, that all right, if here it, we go.
0: Come on. Come on. It, here we go. It, Let's go.
2: If it, if it was any other show, they would bleed that out over five seasons. And before you are a third of the way through it, they've solved it and they've gone on to something bigger. They're in season two right now, but I swear to God, that show feels like it's in season five because of all the different things they've done. They aren't afraid to kill off a main character. It's very, very adult. It's it's one of the shows I don't I don't let my kids watch. I love it. It is one of my favorite shows going right now.
0: I haven't, I haven't seen season two
2: yet. I, I will so stop right there because I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I don't want to give you any spoilers. It yeah. is, it is. Oh, okay, I, right. I, yeah. I,
0: I, I saw the first, like, the, uh, the a block of episode season two episode one. So I understand. Yeah. What had happened after the whole thingy thing? But my problem with the magicians,
2: ah, um, is. Quentin's a whiny little bitch. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And and there hasn't been much character growth in the first season. I just I just didn't see it. And it, it seemed like the first five or so episodes it was really dragging, you know. I mean it just and it you know, my wife and I saw it I think the first four together and we wanted to like it. I didn't care about the characters. I mean that's the that's what the core of the problem was, is that yeah, I didn't it's not that i didn't like them it's just i didn't care
2: did you see season 1
0: that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about season oh one.
2: you saw season okay and you, and you didn't yeah. care okay
0: you know um as it got towards the end of the season i kind of like okay i understood where the people were and understood what the the show writers were doing but like like their concerns just i i didn't it didn't it didn't get me no. didn't get me at all right i mean it's like the opposite of Oh, Jessica Jones or Daredevil or something.
2: Okay. And uh, you know what? I can I can certainly see that point of view. I guess
0: Now I, the expanse on the other hand,
1: have you seen it yet? I have not seen any of these shows that you guys are talking about.
2: You <laughs> know, I I have not cuz I actually The Expanse previews look so good for season 2. I think that I had the opposite effect cuz I'm all in on The Magicians, but I watched a, about half an episode of season 2 and I went I should probably go back and watch season one. I yeah. just, yeah, I, you, I haven't had yes. the time to do it. Yes. Yes.
0: So yes. So very much. Yes. I, I, what got me was I heard all this stuff, you know, from especially Adam Savage. Right. So Mythbusters guy. Yeah. I'm um, kept talking about the expanse and you know, how the attention to detail and all this other stuff and you know, how so very good it is. And I'm like, it cannot be because sci-fi channel cannot do a super good show. They could do an adequate show. They could do Sharknado, but they can't really do a great show. Oh my gosh! They've done a great show. I mean,
2: it really is that good.
0: Okay, uh, you need to go back and see it, Seth. You absolutely
2: do. I'll, I'll, I'll go give season one a, 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 shot. That's, that's high praise.
0: We take our time a lot of TV. Um, we've literally blitzed through the first season. Um, it was only ten episodes, but in, in less than a week. I mean, we, we start churning through. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to go. You know, we this is just so good. And so now we're halfway through the second season, but which we should after code camp we'll we'll finish it off but it is it is super good um the effects are good and there's always a, like an oh crap moment of like oh my gosh w- wow what and and we just watched an episode before we started recording and i'm i'm like oh my gosh no this is not going to happen and i can't believe they're doing this you know and then something else would go around and say they didn't do this but something else happened right so um very high quality of the writing um the effects are you know cinematic the the cinematography is wonderful it, the environment looks lived in right and and the coolest thing about the entire show is that they just drop you in the middle of it there's very little explanation right you you know how you usually get you know they're always explaining like the universe yeah. but it's in a conversational way there's none of that i mean it is just drop you in the middle of it and you got to hang on and you got to figure out what the hell's going on
2: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll and go there's go very much thing.
0: a mystery aspect to it, especially the first season. And so that's why it kind of, you know, it, it's very much of, of a mystery, you know, going through it. And you're trying to figure out, they're trying to figure out what's going on and you're trying to figure out what's going on, What they're trying to figure out what's going on, but also what's going on in the universe that they've kind of created. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. I enjoy the, the show a lot. I didn't think I would, but I do.
1: Yeah, I gotta go check it out. Um, it's one of those... You know, it's in the queue. At some point, we'll get we'll get to it kind of thing.
2: There's there's another one that I've I've enjoyed. Um, oh, and I'm blanking on the name, but I can see the main characters. Uh, I think Sean Ashmore is in it.
0: But um, oh, what about uh, Kyle Schrober? Maybe Chris Bryant?
2: No, no, no. It's, uh, it's hold on. I'm going to go to SciFi's webpage real quick. And
0: another sci-fi show. You you've got a problem. I mean, if you're liking three sci-fi shows, you, you there's definitely a problem there.
2: I I know I've I've been kind of surprised so I I'm not down on the Expanse yet but I I may give it a shot I, I'll definitely give it a shot based off uh what you said Killjoys Killjoys is I I enjoy it it's worth a shot also a Space Show it doesn't sound like it's going to be nearly as gritty and good probably as the Expanse it's a it's a little more fun at times there's it's basically a big old f- fictional world where you're trying to figure out everything that's going on and the characters are trying to figure out that it, everything that's going on so you you learn as you go it's just kind of a fun show i've i've enjoyed that one so the last time i was on the podcast we it was right around the beginning of the season and we were discussing how the much maligned world champion now Chicago Cubs we, we
0: were, and, and I, want, I want to get to that. I'm okay. going to get to that, but we started off talking comic movies. We went over to the <laughs> mo- to TV side, but let's get back to this movie thing, because yeah. DC has a problem. Oh, they do. DC has huge a huge problem, problem. Oh, and my God. the problem is is that they're not Marvel.
2: Yeah. yeah. They're like
0: the opposite of Marvel.
2: Oh, yeah, and... DC should have fabulous movies. They have great cartoons. If you go and you look at the cartoons that they have on Amazon, the the feature length uh, cartoons. The animated features, please.
1: Thank you. Sorry, thank you very much.
2: The animated features are fantastic. Um, have you? Have you realize
1: all of those are Batman movies, right? If you take Batman out of the equation, they actually don't have anything. Oh,
2: but, oh, snap! I think I'm he's right. You. I'm
1: oh, telling you, take Batman out of the equation. No, so oh my gosh! What?
0: Flashpoint paradox? Yeah, Batman. T- um, Batman said uh, all the Justice League stuff, Batman. Batman's in it.
2: Su- no.
1: Su- Batman Superman, Public Enemies, Death
2: Batman, Death of Superman. Um, hold on a second. Uh, Let's. Yeah, I guess that Superman was good. There was a Superman Brainiac one as well. There's the Justice
0: League. Well, they had a Green Lantern movie not so long ago, I guess. I-
2: yeah, they did. Batman, they did, Batman.
1: but but if you look at the the catalog, right?
2: Oh no, you're like, right. Batman is all three over quarters
1: him. of the catalog is Batman movies or Batman, you know, Batman family type stuff.
0: Right. So I mean, I guess the Teen Titans Judas contract was just released.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, it released? already? Uh,
2: well, Superman it's coming up? Shazam. Uh, and then, uh, Justice League Flashpoint. Yeah, Batman. Batman. Sorry, on Arkham Justice League War. Batman's in there, but the entire Justice League's in there.
0: But still, Batman.
2: Yeah, Doom. Right. I mean, you, could, you like I Man. said, the, the yeah. Teen
0: Titans one has not Dark. only just yeah. Robin, but it has Son of Batman, Nightwing as well. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're absolutely right, Cecil.
2: Su- Superman versus the Elite.
0: I didn't like that one. Superman versus Elite. Didn't like it.
2: Yeah, not nearly as good as the comic. I was, I was pretty disappointed. No. I, I rented it. I typically will rent things on Amazon, and if I like them, I, I buy them and add them to my, my digital library. I did not bother to purchase that one.
0: Nope. Did not like that one. But going back to the movies,
2: oh yeah, DC has a huge problem, and it's it's all about the way that they decided that they had to introduce everything, um, and now they're literally trying to dig themselves out of a hole. Wonder Woman looks like it's got the most problems. So let me ask you guys this: I brought this up to um, to my girlfriend Sue now, my fiance Sue,
0: which we will get into as well.
2: Okay, and I, I was discussing Wonder Woman because there was the we went and we saw a movie, and the Justice League trailer was there. Justice League trailer looks good, looks like it has promise, but let's face it, DC movies are kind of like Michael Bay Transformer movies now. I've been there, you've broken my heart, and ruined parts of my childhood, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. And so, when Wonder Woman comes on, they've got that god-awful electric guitar thing. batman has the amazing orchestra if i tell you think of the batman song you can you can hear the dun-dun-dun-dun right. you know you you see the wb logo kind of coming up with the batman thing superman yeah. you think of john williams dun, 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 dun. Yeah. wonder woman what you couldn't figure out a classical you couldn't employ john williams to come up with a classical song for wonder woman no 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 Zack snyder so you decided you gotta give a little umph to the girl because what she can't carry this and so you use an electric guitar i'm i i am flabbergasted i think it is the worst the absolute worst theme song of all of them and then on top of that you're not giving due to a founding classic member of the actual justice league I, I mean, who should be this icon? You're finally bringing her to the screen, and look, I like Gal Dot. I think she's great. I, I hope her movie her movie looks very very good. I I want to find whoever made that guitar solo and uh, punch them in the face. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then take their Pretty guitar much. from them and beat them savagely with it, <laughs> um, and say never again. <laughs> it's 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 horrid, and it it shouldn't be, and. Batman versus Superman oh my god they ruined Lex Luthor Martha was my mother's name your mom's name is Martha too yeah exactly
1: (laughs) ridiculous and you know I remember talking to Richard before the movie came out and I remember saying to you it was like the first what 10 second 15 second trailer and I was like this is a bad idea yep he did well, and then yeah. the longer trailer came out, and I'm like, "This is a very bad idea." Yeah, and I, I'm, then, I'm
0: starting to realize, Cecil, that I, when you say something's a bad idea, nine times out of ten,
2: it's a bad idea.
1: You know, the movie came out, and I'm like, "I'm not going to watch it. This is a bad idea." And then it was a bad idea. It was a bad I mean, idea. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, and and so I went, and when I when I see movies like this, I'll typically go on like um, a Thursday night without the kids, so that way I can preview it. I mean, because I I haven't seen anything, you know, other than. Deadpool, that it was like, okay. And even yeah. even Deadpool, it's like, the majority of this, I mean, I know what you guys hear at school. I heard the same thing when I was a kid. I don't care about the language. I, I skipped the calendar scene. Because um, I, I, I don't need those questions yet. I've gotten enough questions, and I don't need... What, what was she doing behind him for International Women's Day? Women's no, Day, yes. Nope, no. Uh, It's Take it like well, a Well, when man. a man
0: loves a woman... <laughs>
2: Sometimes she lets him, well, he lets her <laughs> you No. Know, when a uh, woman loves a man back. <laughs> you see, in some cases, it's always going to hurt, but you love him so much. Uh, <laughs> really, Dad? Is that okay? <laughs> Pat Benatar once said, love is a battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Pick your battles, son. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my gosh but you yeah, know but, but going back to these dc movies man i mean i i was a original batman michael Keaton fan like i loved that movie like, yeah when that movie came out and i was i was you know i was still in high school probably at the time you know i was still in Antigua, and i was like this is a good movie and then you know well we had those other two that we could not talk about for a little bit you know the heath leather joker movie this was like okay yeah, the batman franchise is back like this is this is a good film, right? And then when they announced, oh, okay, well, Ben Affleck is Batman, and I'm like, this is not a good idea.
2: So I'll, the two things I enjoyed about the Batman Superman movie, I do like Ben Affleck as Batman. I do like Gal Dodd as Wonder Woman. The story is crap, and it abuses the characters in a way, and in, like, comics has done all kinds of crazy things to characters. I'm, I'm, I'm down for a good what-if story. I just feel like you went in a direction you didn't have to. I mean and you charged into it so blatantly. Not only that, you took the whole death of Superman thing in doomsday, which could, could have, and should have been its own movie. And you exactly. squeezed it in to this crap fest to try and it's spend. like an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, It's like, oh, matter of fact, oh, there's this Doomsday thing. Oh, go ahead and kill him in like five minutes. Well,
2: they they made Luther more of the Joker. And the thing that made the Dark Knight work so well is the Joker is a great literary villain. Um, He is a force of chaos, but he is incredibly brilliant and incredibly tough. And he is the villain that we as comic book fans have known forever. There, There's a reason that there's been 75 worth, years worth of stories. Now, granted, you could probably put them on a scale and say 50% are crap, 50% are good. But that's, you know, still, what, 35 years worth of great stories? Yeah. And And so you've got a lot of material to pull for. And I felt like we finally saw a Joker portrayed the way we knew the Joker should be. When Lex Luthor was originally announced for Jesse Eisenberg, I, I was a little excited because I like Jesse Eisenberg as a character. He didn't strike me as Lex Luthor, so I was, I was curious to see how he would play him. But that's the thing is, they, he should have been the Riddler or, or a new Joker or something like that because that's who he played. Lex Luthor is supposed to be the super suave businessman that is five steps ahead of you like the Joker, but even in the exact second you think you're about to get your hands on him, And take him away you know he's got something to blast you out of the sky and say if you expect to detain me contact my lawyer and he just walks away very suavely rarely it's only when he cracks as the villain and goes over the edge does he actually get physical or or does he get his hands dirty and and he is you know smart enough that only bruce wayne is smart enough to outsmart him and that's not the villain they gave us they gave us Sloppy Oedipus complex fearing the guy who's more powerful than him, psychopath.
0: The red capes are coming. Yeah, the oh, red you're right. capes are coming.
1: And I think for me, and I agree with you, I think I think Jesse Eisenberg should have played a different type of villain. Yeah. Yeah, played a different character. I would have liked to have seen an older person play Lex Luthor because I think that's when we've gotten those characters that you're talking about, like the suaveness, the, the business savvy. It'll be like Jesse Eisenberg was a little a little juvenile to me.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna throw out a name. And okay. I want I want your ideas, both of your ideas on this one. And so, so you may not know this name. Billy Zane.
2: Oh, I right? like Billy Zane. I know Zane. Billy Zane. Billy Zane yeah. was in the phantom.
0: Yes. Billy Zane. And I say Billy Zane because he's not being he's not being cast much. I mean wait, he's in his like early fifties now or something, right? he's fifty one. Yeah. From so Chicago. I recently saw him and I I started, I watched uh, rewatched uh, Twin Peaks because it's been so a long time since I've seen it so I rewatched it and he was so good in Twin Peaks I'm thinking him now Lex Luthor ah you've got the suave you got the Devon it would have worked I think it would have worked
2: I think it would have worked really well yeah that's, yeah I agree with you that's a shame oh man you nailed it I'm smarter than Hollywood that doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, I, I, all you need to do is yeah. walk in the room and go, you see what the kids like. They like to see yeah. dancing. What I need is I need Billy <laughs> Zane doing a doing a song. How, ca- how can we make Batman sing in that suit? <laughs> My mother's yeah. Martha too. Batman, <laughs> Batman and yeah. Superman, the musical. It'll play forever. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Go get Jesse Eisenberg. He'll do it. <laughs>
0: So let me give it the Facebook head. Yeah, the Facebook head is like Luther. It'd be great. That'd be great.
1: I think it brings up a good question in terms of what exactly makes a good comic movie, right? Um, Because I feel today, and probably even in movies in general, it's more about effects and explosions. And it's less about the actual contents of the movie and the character development, right? That's how I feel like Transformers once. Like I feel Transformers was, let me see how many, you know, solar flares I could get and, you know, explosions I could get. The story was like a second thought after that.
2: I think what makes it really good, and, and we certainly get our fair share of digital effects and technology in, in the Marvel movies as, as much as I love them. And I think part of that is the visual eye candy. So it's not like that's unimportant, but I would say it's very, very secondary. You, you have to have a compelling story and you have to have good actors. And I I think yeah. if you do that, when you look at, at comic book movies, we we signify things in all of these genres. Deadpool is a comedy, with it's it's a rom com actually, which is kind of funny to think about it. The Winter Soldier is a spy movie. If if you take, you know, some of the fantastical things that James Bond has done. In jetpacks and, you know, rappelling out of helicopters and fighting on satellite dishes and things of that nature. When you go, uh, so one guy has a jetpack and he's kind of got wings on it and it looks a little bit like a bird. Not quite as crazy. That guy's super strong. Well, yeah, that guy has metal teeth in his mouth and uh, they made him super strong too. It's, It's not that different from a component type of story. It just... It has to be compelling. Um, the fight scene in Daredevil on Netflix that was oh that, that first season that was so phenomenal in the hallway. I mean, how is that any different from any pulp movie like uh, Payback or, uh, or or something like that, where it's just a hard punching, gritty action movie? I I don't know that. There's anything about a comic book movie that especially makes it better than any other story. I think if you have a good story, then you can begin to add little pieces of comic bookness to it to go, and and here's how we fit all this in. But most of these characters, the reason that they've risen up or stood the test of time is because they've got a compelling story. Now, the one thing I think Marvel Studios has done very well is they have taken characters who were second-tier characters and made them top-tier characters. Oh, yeah, yeah third-tier, too. I mean, but honestly, honestly, go back and read some of the old Avenger comics when Iron Man is just standing around in the room. Iron Man is just there. Yeah, I told Iron Man to do that. Captain America drives everything. Yep. I, I mean, Iron Man was, was a second-tier uh, hero at best when they decided to come to see him, and now he's a major leading man.
0: Well, And, and look in the 90s when... The Avengers were second tier and everything was X-Men.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, Spider-Man, one, one of the top Marvel properties ever, and they put together a whole universe without him. But how much sweeter is it going to be with him in that universe?
0: Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. You know, so we were, we were talking about, you know, good comic book movies, and you talk about different the different kind of a genre movies that the MCU does. But you take a look at Bigger Isn't Better and how Hugh Jackman ended Playing Wolverine in Logan,
2: yeah, and and that was a fantastic example of a great what if or else worlds type of story. They didn't have to draw the conclusions. They didn't have to sit there and say, "Oh, uh, Professor X started to get dementia, accidentally killed all the X Men." Uh, that led to this incident, and this is why Wolverine's got him isolated. And 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 then there's this and. It's a great World story that gets to be its own standalone thing. I, I was really happy to see it be well-received, but I think the reason that comic book movies that don't come from Marvel have a hard time being explained to the public in general is because the people producing them don't understand them. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Not, not to hate on anybody in particular, but I'm, I'm going through the data science program for Microsoft. There's a class I'm going through, and there's two people teaching it. And it was painfully obvious when it began that one person is super, super smart. And everything they say, you want to watch, you want to take notes, you may even back it up and listen to it two or three times. And then there's another person where 90% of what they say is fluff and 10% really actually is important. And you probably want to listen to that video on 2.0 speed, waiting for those gems and nuggets so you can take a quick screenshot and take a couple notes and then keep going. I feel like that is that is the difference between Marvel Studio and everybody else. Marvel Studio is that person that has experience in that field that is super, super hyper-intelligent that every time they say something, when they go off on a side tangent, you go, oh my God, that's some amazing information right there. I need to pick that up. That's the way things should be done. And everybody else is, here's the 90% fluff and then there's 10% i actually understand every everybody else makes superhero movies marvel makes movies that happen to have superheroes in them yeah all right so we
0: had a kind of a a big event that it, in in my life and your life that's happened recently and that was something about a world series
2: i know it um it was life changing right? <laughs> did you know that they play baseball into late october and early november cuz i did not i never knew that never I, knew that uh, I, I kid you not and and this and look I I've, I've seen other teams make it I've lived in cities where they had major league teams that made it to the World Series and you know I've I you know kind of a, yeah yeah home team yay you guys and and I may have seen portions of the game I never actually sat there and watched a World Series end to end every single inning every single game before is and I realized this when we won the National League pennant And afterwards, they came out and gave us a trophy. And my mind went, oh, wow, you get a trophy after this. (laughs) And and part of me went, well, naturally, you get a trophy after this. You get a trophy after you, uh, you know, get the the division championship in football. Win the league. It it makes sense that you you get this. But I had never bothered to watch somebody else get a trophy because why would you? It was exhausting. Uh, but in the best possible way. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, that I, I don't want. We can't shortcut this. But um, by the time we get done, ask me what the best day is to go watch the Chicago Cubs play. If you want to get a win.
0: Oh, and someone's been using their
2: data science. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I've I've got a whole bunch of blog posts. I'm I'm gonna start um, writing pretty soon. We started. Uh, Josh Luna and I are have begun mining the uh, Roto World uh I'm sorry, rotosheets.org uh, data, which has the play by play of every baseball game from 1922 until 2016. Every bat, every pitch, foul ball, ball, the call, if it was fielded, what position in the field. Um, this, wow. this is just my first pass. And it was to take a, a, to use data science to figure out the best day of the week to see you and play. Um, I've, I've got a spreadsheet. I'll email you after this, um, but I'm, I'm, Gonna give my first talk for Pensacola later on the 27th of this month, and it's all about using in database R, baseball analytics, and I've I've got a visualization a Power BI report and Excel dashboard where you, I've got slicers on there per team, so you can find whatever your wow. team is, if the record is above 50%, below 50%, uh, five, above 500, below 500, and you can even Have use a slicer for if they're away or if they're home to see what the win-loss percentage is. And then I added a grid to show what the win-loss ratio is against particular opponents home or away. Because naturally, some opponents are are more difficult. Some opponents we play more. Um, I I was kind of surprised to see, even though the Cardinals were the team that beat the Chicago Cubs the most last year, we still had a 55% win rate against them. Yeah. They were just that the one true. that beat us the most, and they still didn't beat us enough. Didn't beat us today either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Bam Bam. That's right.
0: Did we actually talk about the Cubs on the last episode when you were here? We, like we did.
2: It was it was getting ready to happen, and I think we, we tentatively talked about our hope for the season and, and that we hoped this would be the one, and then I think we moved away from it.
0: Because <laughs> we all know what hope happens with Cubs fans um, yeah. In May, you're looking at the next year um,
2: and, and look man, I, I don't know about you brother I, I mean, I would love it if we got another one in my lifetime I'm good, I am good forever I needed one And uh, and my kids got to see it And I, I, got, I got to go stand at the game where we turned it around And started that, that rip right down to the end Oh my god, that was insane so so what,
0: what is it? What is it about seeing the Cubs win that, for you, was just so magical?
2: There are things that influence you, people who influence you, that you care for. When, whenever you look at any investment you've got in this world, it, it gets down to people. Um, and we're all a collection of the experiences that have brought us up to this moment of time. And I've always been surrounded by people who had a love for the Chicago Cubs, Um, my grandparents, my parents, and that that came to me. Um, I remember feeling deeply sad the first time that I ever realized that for my grandma and grandpa's entire life, they had rooted for the Cubs, they had gone to Wrigley. They actually, um, when they passed, we, we bought a brick that was laid up in Wrigley Field when they did the renovation that has their name on it. But to think that for all that cheering, they never got to see this happen. I think that's probably the most emotional thing is to think of all the times that, I, I mean, one of my greatest memories is still my grandpa. Um, and I think we did talk about this last time when, when Andre Dawson got beamed in the face by Sean Dunstan and, mm-hmm. and and he did or or by somebody else. And then Sean Dunstan was one of the first, not Sean Dunstan, uh, Rick Sutcliffe was one of the first guys out of the dugout. And, my grandpa hops up and he's kind of shadow boxing and he's yelling at TV. He goes, Rick, they just paid you $9 million for that. Ham hit him with your left one. And uh, (laughs) there was always love and passion there. And I, I think you heard the same story over and over again. I mean, there were the people who held on literally to hear the announcement of the first game. There were people who, who died right after the Cubs won. There were, you know, all these octogenarians that they had on the Fox pregame show talking about how long they'd been waiting for a win on, on either side of it on Cleveland and and on Chicago. And I think that we all have memories that we associate times that we either sat there and uh, saying, you know, go Cubs go, or we've listened to it or we've tuned into WGN or we heard Harry Carey make an announcement Um, there's an emotional connection to someone we loved at some point in time and someone we lost and that makes you feel like you're part of something larger than yourself and it's i I think people feel things very deeply when you can kind of say it's not just about me it's it's about other people and you you feel free to care a little deeper. You feel free to feel a little bit more because when it's about yourself, you know, sometimes you, you don't want to be too prideful. You pull it in. You go, well, that's, that's great. Thank you very much. You try and be polite. You try and be humble. But when you, when you think about people you love, I mean, you well with pride, you well with happiness, you know what this means to them. And we all knew people all over who, were feeling the exact same thing, um, who who had felt the same thing, who had people that they'd loved that they had lost that would have loved to have been there for that, that, um, you know, waited a lifetime. And for all of us who just thought, you know what, we're never going to see it. And I mean, in such spectacular fashion, game seven, overtime after a rain delay, when we had the lead, brought it up to a tie, and we go out and we win it. On the road and traditionally and, and that was one of the most amazing things to me looking at the data looking at the statistics here's what the Chicago Cubs did in 2016 that they didn't do in previous years they had a better away record than they had a better home record they had mm-hmm. a they had a winning record at home but they were more likely to win on the road than they were at Wrigley Field and looking throughout at least from the 1990 to 2016 that is the major oddity typically the home record is better than the away record Um, I remember there was one point in time we were watching one of the games they were down they came back they won and it was it was late like the seventh or eighth and we were down and all of a sudden we had a rally and before you knew it we were ahead and I think we won our first game and I remember somebody on TV before that rally started, said the Cubs have a 0.25% chance to win this game. And we did. (laughs) The the most magical thing about that 2016 season is if you try and quantify what happened with data science, with science period, what they did literally defies the odds. There were times that the odds were 99% against them and they found that less than 1% chance to pull out a victory and it's it's amazing i so i you know and and maybe that's part of it because it wasn't like the team was so dominant that they cruised through the playoffs and then they went to the world series and they they crushed them in four and walked away with it easy because that was not an easy series that was a, that was a nail biter down to the end and you you know what, you can't help but feel it for Cleveland. And part of me deep down inside, the side was like, you know what, you guys will get there another time. This was ours. Yeah, you could feel for Cleveland. I won't. Um, yeah. I explained to yeah. my kids at one point in time, I said, you realize for Cleveland to get to the point to where the Chicago Cubs were, I will need to be 80 years old and they will still not have won the World <laughs> Series. I looked at my 12-year-old son and I was like, you was will hoping. be 52 years old. In order for the Cleveland Indians to not be able to get to this point, I said, if if they get to 108, okay, I'm fine with them winning. I don't care. But (laughs) you know what? This is ours. We, We get this one.
1: We'd like to thank bradley for being a guest on the show it was great to have the opportunity to chat with him if you like the show please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com also remember to check us out on our facebook page at facebook.com aftk podcast and on twitter at aftkpodcast. podcast you can follow me on twitter at cecil phillip and richie at jaris that's j-o-r-r-i-s-s
0: you can subscribe to the show via the website soundcloud google play music or on itunes and if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to the newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind the scene access to away from the keyboard.
1: Next on away from the keyboard, we'll have developer and academic director, Victor Moreno. You
0: know while you were doing the outro? Totally did a rootless cube.
1: Did you solve it? Yeah. Nice.
0: We want to thank you for listening to Away From the Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego!
2: all the CW shows though, just because okay. like, like I said, I, I have, I have a problem. Um, <laughs> I, the other the other day I actually went and I watched, uh, the first two episodes of arrow just because I was, I was watching an episode and my mind went, I remember at one point, this was a good show. I, I've got a friend who's <laughs> very, very particular with, with what he bothers to like. And, uh, I wasn't watching arrow and he actually called me up and said, I'm really surprised you're not watching this. I, I normally think 90% of this is crap. This is really good. You should check it out. And I remember that first season it was good. And I went back and I watched that the first two episodes. And I was like, wow, this was a good show. And, and, and then it came on and I watched whatever it was. And I'm like, dear God, they just, they need him riding a jet ski, hopping over a shark. It's <laughs> that's all this is missing. With the arrows as his skis. And I, I literally feel like the Flash has become, how many ways can we get uh, Barry and Iris to not be together? And it's like, guys, this should have been one tiny little story that you should have wrapped you're up already. You're not fast already. enough, Barry.
1: Yeah. You're not
2: fast enough, Barry. And it's like, yeah, you're not fast enough for the first season or for the second season or for the first Crying out loud! When does the man get fast enough? Because as we all know, he's the fastest man alive. Um, but you shouldn't be using that tagline yet, because may- maybe uh, not so bad for number three. Uh, not quite so fast yet. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> At some point, yeah. I, you
0: know, I, it's, I think we're seeing the death of the Guggenverse. Uh, I think it's, I think it's dying. Um, I haven't even jumped on the Supergirl yet, so I because I. It was on CBS, never caught it, right? So now it's, you know, over on WB and I should be all excited. But it's like after I see, I'm seeing what's going on. I'm like, I, I'm i passing on this
2: one. So,
1: you know, what I stopped watching was when um they had that big, what was it? Multi-convergence episode or whatever the case yeah, is. The oh. Oh, yeah, the crossover. And I, And I heard about it and I didn't watch it and I stopped watching all of them at that point. I was just like, it's just too much.
2: I I felt like they within that multi-episode thing were having too much of a geekgasm for us to truly. And it's like you guys should not be geeking out like this. You guys should just be doing something, and let us geek out. Um, you're yeah. trying you're trying too hard to say it, it's it's like when you're a parent and you're trying to make your kids have a good time and you're like see how much fun we're having obviously they're not having fun <laughs> it's a terrible time you're trying to make the best of it you're lying to your children right at that point and i feel like that's what they're doing see how exciting this is all of us together this this sucks you don't need 90 percent of those people because they're just going to stand there, he's going to look stupid, somebody's going to argue with somebody else, half of you will walk off pissed off. Oh look, the half who walked off are probably going to end up finding the other half who stayed behind, even though this isn't an even fight. Look, magically, everything's fixed and everybody goes back to normal, and that big problem that was over there that we couldn't figure out how to work out, we just worked out.
1: Yep, so true. that's that's pretty much the last two seasons of uh, Arrow.
2: <laughs> I I feel like the writers' room instead of having a lot of drugs, it's Henry Winkler from The Waterboy, and he's standing there going, "Does anybody have an idea? Anybody? <laughs> you think we should put them all in a show together singing? We'll do that. We'll do that. That's okay.
1: <laughs> I know. heard there was a um I heard there was a uh, a musical episode. Is that true?
2: There yes. there is a musical episode um, and. Oh my god. The problem with the musical episode is everybody tries to do a musical episode because Buffy did that one that was so 20 years ago. Yes. Okay.
0: And and listen, listen. That episode, all the music was written by Joss Whedon. Okay. And here here's the other thing about that episode is that they would go over and this was like in season 2, season 3, I think the the musical happened in season 6. I think I'm pretty sure. It, they would go over to Joss Whedon's house. And, and do Shakespeare yeah. and which then turned them turning into them singing and performing and just doing I guess what actors do right you know the, the little BP right before before the game and and that kind of got the juices flowing where they were actually writing a lot of these you know these songs and things like that you know a year or two before
2: and, and that's the thing is you can't just literally that musical episode of Flash and Supergirl it, it seems like, some suit who didn't know anything, I just imagine there's some, you know, suit that, you know, hears writers speak like they're Charlie Brown's teacher. And he walks in a room and he goes, hey, kid, so here's what we're going to do. We need a musical episode. You guys are going to figure out how to make them sing and dance. I don't care that it's a stupid idea. How would you just like to be unemployed? You're fired. Anybody else got a problem with this? Make them dance. And it's like... That's not quality. Well, you know, La La
0: Land was a big hit these days. You know, all the crazy kids like the dancing. And so uh, why don't you make a musical episode?
2: Yeah, see? Yeah, make sure they're in the 1920s because that's what the kids like. The 1920s was scurvy and we boiled everything. It was fantastic.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, I I was –